Welcome to FMC Radio, your officially unofficial source for all things Free Methodist. From in-depth discussions with key FMC leaders to daily updates from General Conference, we want to keep a consistent stream of information flowing to you regarding where God is leading the Free Methodist Church. I'm your host, Josh Avery, and I want to invite you to sit back, relax, and join us as we learn together now what it means to be Free Methodists in this episode of the FMC Radio Show. November 18th, 2019, this is episode 127. have a few things to share with you before we get into our final study in the book of James today. Um, and uh, the first thing is uh, just kind of something to keep on your calendar coming up December 3rd. Uh, this is this is something that has kind of gained popularity in recent years. It's called Giving Tuesday. And of course, right around that time, we have Black Friday. And then they have, I think now they added on, I forget the official name, but it's like Electronic Saturday or something, you know, <laughs> that's not the name of it, but it's something like that where you go online and buy a bunch of stuff and everybody's buying, buying, buying. So uh, some time ago, I don't know who came up with it, but somebody somewhere came up with Giving Tuesday. Hey, let's let's have a day to give that's focused on giving instead of just buying a bunch of gifts for everybody. I mean, technically, I guess, yeah, you're buying them to give them. But give in a way, you know, to charities, to, to ministries, those types of deals. So Giving Tuesday is coming up on December 3rd, and the Free Methodist Church, of course, is, is looking to um, hopefully raise some money for, for different ministries. Um, but not only only raise money, uh, the Free Methodist Church is looking at it in a different way, not just giving, giving of your money, um, but asking people to possibly give of um, your time, prayer, uh, those types of things towards, specifically, they're, they're focusing on four ministries, Free Methodist World Missions, ICCM, which is International Child Care Ministries, uh, Marston Historical Center, and SEED. Uh, so these are some amazing um, things to keep in mind as we come, come, come to them. And I like how they, they mention not everybody has, you know, money to, to invest in sponsoring a missionary, you know, once a month or, you know, sponsoring a child. Um, you may be able to do that. You may not. I mean, there's all sorts of people listening to this. There's all sorts of people out there. So I like that for Giving Tuesday, looking forward to December 3rd, uh, the church has started to, to talk about, the denomination has started to talk about the other kinds of giving that you can that you can invest in. Maybe the giving of your time, the giving of your prayer, the giving of your voice, they've said. you know, So letting other people know. Maybe you don't have the opportunity or maybe you already sponsor several children, but you know a few people, you have a few friends uh, that don't sponsor children and you know, well, maybe they'd be interested. So you talk to them about it. You, you uh, give your time and your energy and your voice that Tuesday and it, it's, of course, bigger than 24 hours, but this is a time to focus people in to say, hey, don't forget about giving in all these different ways. Uh, so that's coming up pretty soon, uh, December 3rd, again, less than a month, about half a month away. And now um, I want to mention about this podcast. And, um, you know, I, I, I have thanked multiple times those who have raised the money uh, for General Conference. We couldn't have done it without those who, who, have, who donated towards the booth. Um, but, uh, besides that, I've never asked for money on this podcast. We've never, uh, done anything like that, raised money for anything, um, in that way. 
Um, but there are, um, you who have listened for a long time know that I'm a pastor of a, of a small church in Youngstown, Ohio. Uh, we have about 35, 40 people. Uh, I have run this podcast for almost, in February it will have been three years, um, just on my own. Uh, besides the stuff raised for General Conference, besides those donations, uh, everything has been uh, run by me. I, I bought the microphone my own. I, I bought the, the, the iPad Pro to kind of do, do the, all of this editing. Um, and I have also uh, paid in the past for the services, the, the podcast hosting services. Podbean is the name of it that I go through. Um, and for unlimited audio, for me to be able to publish as many audio updates, podcast episodes for you every year is $108. Um, I have spent that for the first uh, two years um, now, or I guess I should say three years because um, we're going to com- be having completed three years of payments. Um, but uh, our ch- local church here is is a small church. Um, there's a lot of, of uh, tightness in the finances, and so because of that, it reflects on my personal finances as well. Uh, my personal finances are going to be tight for a little while, and uh, so I thought, um, you know, I, I would love to lock in for another year to be able to provide this service for you, to be able to do this uh, voluntarily. Um, I'm not paid by the denomination. I, I don't get any income for doing this podcast, um, and, I, and I even hate to ask for money because I, I want to do this as a volunteer. Um, but I, but I want to say, uh, you know, even $108 um, just for something that is volunteer at this point right now uh, in the next few months is, is just going to be too much to pay. Um, and February 27th uh, in 2020 will be the renew time. So in other words, if I don't have um, the $108 by February 27th, I won't be able to renew and therefore I won't be able to do uh, new podcasts and I don't know how long the podcast feed stays around. I would assume if you don't renew the podcast feed, meaning all the previous episodes uh, kind of go offline simultaneously. Um, so I, I say all of that to ask you, um, if anyone is willing, please contact me uh, through the Facebook page. Um, you can you know, call or text my cell phone, 234-759-9042. Uh, you can reach out to me, my email, josh at bfreemc.org. Um, just if you'd be willing to give through PayPal, uh, you know, in any way, uh, any of these ways is fine. But uh, if you're willing to to help me to uh, do this next do this next year of podcasting. If if we do raise the money, of course, then we're locked in. I'm not going to say halfway through the year, oh, well, that's kind of the end of the podcast. I ran out of ideas and we're not doing it anymore. Uh, we would be locked in until at least 2021. Um, and so, uh, you know, I would, again, be a good steward of the money you've given me by continuing this podcast for at least one more year into 2021. So if this is something that has meant something to you, um, even if you're willing to give $5, $10, uh, it would be, mean a lot to me. And just as I said before, with general conference fundraising, um, you know, if if we didn't, if if you gave money, you say you gave fifteen dollars, and some other people gave twenty and twenty-five, and we raised say fifty dollars, well, that's not enough, you know, for the hundred and eight. Well, I'm not going to keep that fifty dollars. I'm going to return that to you. Um, so it's an all or nothing type deal. We're going to get to one hundred and eight um, specifically with your donations, uh, or we're going to return all the donations, and we're not going to do it at all. So. Uh, please just um, uh, do contact me uh, in the future. And you'll probably hear me do a, a much briefer version of this um, into the future. Just say, hey, we're still trying to raise funds, you know, um, because I, I do want to get the word out uh, for those who may not listen to this specific episode. I may do a little update as well, kind of recapping what I'm saying right here. 
has a separate update um, that people can just click on and listen apart from this episode. So be looking for that, um, that maybe you could share that on Facebook when I post that uh, sometime later this week or whatever. Uh, But anyways, um, thank you so much for uh, listening to that. uh, And if you're willing to help, if you're able to help, um, please do that as well. Um, So uh, the other thing we want to do real quick is, uh, I shouldn't say real quick, but we want to take the time to look at uh, November 18th. Uh, We are to pray today for the Middle East in our Free Methodist World Missions Prayer Guide. And it says, Pray for Area Director Dale and his wife Dawn as they travel throughout this region, encouraging and training leaders. Ask God to give wisdom, discernment, and safety as they go. And as always, when we talk about the Middle East or some of these creative access places, we're talking about uh, sometimes very dangerous or uh, stressful situations, very uh, persecuted church areas. So let's go ahead and pray for, for them. God, we pray specifically right now for uh, Dale and his wife Dawn, the area directors, and they have a different role than our missionaries. They get to travel around and and see all these leaders in one way. Uh, Of course, that's very exciting um, because they get to be involved on a high level with all the stories. They get to, to see all the stories, gather all these stories, report them from all these different churches, and that's very exciting. Um, but it could also be stressful um, as they hear from the from the pastors, some being persecuted, some being followed, some being, you know, there, there's so many stories that we hear um, that we can't really even talk about here uh, as this is being recorded. But um, you know all of the stories, you know all the faces even better than, than even than Dale and Dawn do. Um, and, and they are involved on a day-to-day basis there. But even, you know them even better um, and you know the situations better, and you know uh, both the enemies and the friends of these churches. Um, and so we pray that uh, you will be with Dale and Dawn as, and give them the wisdom and the, and the safety as they travel, the discernment that they need to, to sift through some of the issues that the people are dealing with um, and the things that they're coming up against. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll be right back with our final study in the book of James. as I have mentioned a few times now, this is our final study in the book of James. We've actually, on this podcast over the course of the last three years, gone through all of the um, all of the, the passages once we're done with today. And we're looking today at James 5, uh, verses 13 through 20. And um, so I'm going to go ahead and read all of the verses, and then I will pray, and then we'll go back to the verses individually and kind of uh, uh, Bible study through them here together. So, uh, James 5, verse 13. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. 
and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from er the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get into the text. Dear God, we thank you for this time that we've had in this uh, different way, people all over America and, and even some across, across the world uh, listening. And we've been able to share in these segments here, in these episodes, um, we've been able to share in this Bible study together, this study of James. And uh, we thank you for uh, this call to action in James. And now we, as we close, I pray that you'll help us to um, look at these verses and, and not only see what they meant back then, but how we could apply them today and learn from them and be encouraged and uh, take the next step today through them. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're going to start uh, just by going back to the text now, and we're going to look at verses 13 through 16 again. And uh, this is where it starts out by saying, Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Now here we have kind of the two different scenarios here. We have, let's start with, uh, with, the, with the first one. If anybody's in trouble, so we have the hard times. If anybody's in trouble, if anybody's facing trouble of any kind, and that covers so many different things, that could cover financial troubles. That could, co that could cover, you know, uh, persecution. That can cover, um, you know, the fear of death. You're in the hospital on your deathbed. You know, all these sort of things. It, it, trouble is a, is, a, is a great word because it covers so many areas. So are you in trouble? All right, well, pray. So in hard times, we, we see this often, right? I think in America especially, we see, all right, somebody's facing a hard time, a financial decision or, a, you know, again, a family member or themselves in the hospital. They jump to prayer. They start showing back up at churches. I mean, we could use, again, the example of September 11th. Hard times happened. You know, the, everybody in the country suffered in one way or another with that. You know, it was a time of grief. And it, people were in trouble in many different ways. And so what happened? The churches filled up. They prayed. They had candlelight vigils. And I'm not saying that thing is bad. In fact, that's very good, right? People turn to God in the time of need. But it's not hard for us to remember God in the, in the hard times. So I, I, I say to that first you know, thing, is any one of you in trouble, he should pray. Yeah, yeah, definitely. For most people, this is easy. You know, there's always people that we hear of or that we know about uh, that alternatively abandon their faith, that say, listen, I came into a hard time. I don't believe that God would allow that sort of a thing to happen. And so he must not be real. I'm completely abandoning it. But for the most part, you know, those who have a faith uh, in hard times are turned to God. But that second thing that he says, is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Now that, I think, is actually harder. And it's, it's maybe something that we haven't thought about necessarily. You know, we think, well, wouldn't it be easier to praise God or to turn to him in happy times versus hard times? Well, you would think so. But what's strange, especially in America, is that in the good times, many people essentially forget God. Isn't that strange? Think about your own life. Think about your life, how when you're going through a really hard time, 
you find out that you rely on God even more, that you're praying more, that you're studying the scriptures more. But then all of a sudden, for some strange reason, during the good times, hey, everybody's healthy. You know, we, we haven't had to worry about bills for a long time. You know, there, we, we don't experience persecution. All of a sudden, for some strange reason, when everything's going well, many people, many of us, can honestly say, if we're really taking an inventory of our lives, we can honestly say, oh, you know what, I, I didn't really remember God. Now, of course, we remember him. We go to church, maybe. We still, you know, do those types of things. But there's a vast difference when we're in trouble versus when we're going through happy times and easy times. We end up relying almost on our own selves. Well, I don't need to pray to God about my finances now because, listen, I've worked hard and I've got my money here and everything seems to be going well. So why would I pray to him about my finances, right? So I think that second thing is actually harder for most of us. Hey, if you're happy, don't forget. He could almost say, don't forget. Let him sing songs of praise. Don't forget to thank God for the good times. Don't forget to be present in those good times and to thank God for them instead of just, you know, brushing yourself up, looking at your own self. Now, he, he brings a third scenario into this. He says, is anybody sick? In verse 14, he should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. So, now this is a little bit different here. Now, if someone's sick, he gives a specific thing to do. And it's two-parter here. He should call the elders of the church to pray over him. Now, this is, now, now nobody would argue with this. This just makes a lot of sense. I mean, there's nothing we really need to go into to explain, you know, why would they, why would someone pray over somebody who's sick? It's just, you know, we understand that, obviously. But the second part, we may be familiar with the practice, but it's also kind of odd, right? Anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, if you've been in church a long time, you've seen this, right? Hey, so-and-so has been diagnosed with cancer. We're going to bring them up. We're going to anoint them with oil. We're going to pray for them as the church. And nobody really bats an eye about it. I mean, it's scriptural. It's right here in verse 14. But have you ever stopped to think, well, why? Like, why are we putting oil on our finger and putting a sign of a cross on somebody's head or however you do it, right? Why are we putting oil on the head? I mean, it seems like a weird thing to do. Well, uh, this is where it gets interesting with the oil. Um, there are two different kind of uh, perceptions or two different ways to look at the oil here. Um, the first is from a scientific medicinal point of view. Um, in this time uh, of this scripture being written, oil is actually one of the best known ancient medicines. So when they talk about oil, they're talking about an actual medicine that could, could, was believed to, to help the people uh, recover from, from many different sicknesses. In um, extra-biblical texts, in other words, in other documents we have from this time period, uh, we see oil referred to from, uh, by, physician, uh, by a physician named Gallen, also by Philo and uh, Pliny. We see all sorts of different uh, writers at this time, including a physician named, as I mentioned, named Gallen, who talks about oil being something that when somebody's sick, you bring them this oil. We not only see the extra-biblical texts uh, supporting that point of view, but we also see some of the biblical texts. I'll give you a few examples. Isaiah uh, 1, verse 6. I'm trying to turn to that here. Um, I didn't have it marked. I should have. Isaiah uh, verse one. Uh, I'm sorry. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 6. It says, From the sole of your foot to the top of your head, there is no soundness, only wounds and welts and open sores, not cleansed or bandaged or soothed with oil. 
that's that reference there at the end there. Somebody's, somebody's hurt, you know, there's all these uh, open wounds, uh, sores and welts, and they haven't been soothed with oil. That's a soothing thing to get these, this sickness, these sores, these welts soothed with the oil. We then see another reference to uh, the medicinal value of oil in this time in Luke 10, in the story Jesus tells. Luke 10, verses, uh, verse uh, 34. It says here, Luke 10, 34, um, he's, he's telling in the, the story of the Good Samaritan. You remember the guy got beat up and he's on the side of the road and, and uh, the Samaritan comes by. And then it says in verse 34, he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And so here now, this man is, this Samaritan man is uh, helping the Jewish man by uh, pouring oil onto his wounds. And so we see the extra biblical text talking about the medicinal power of this oil. We see some of the biblical text talking about, hey, this person's sick in Isaiah and, and they didn't even use oil. Or Jesus saying, hey, this guy was beat up and they used the oil. Uh, so when we come back to James and we look in the context, we say, hey, is anybody sick? First of all, call the elders to come and pray over him. And then the second thing says, anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. So uh, some people have taken this and looked at the context of everything else and said, hey, the oil here is actually referring to th this type of ancient medicine. It's saying, hey, it's not throwing out the baby with the bathwater. In other words, this is, he's, they're saying, hey, pray for the person, but also give them the medicine they, they need. You know, give them what the, the doctor has prescribed. In this case, the oil. You know, don't just, don't just do what the Jehovah's Witnesses do. You know, they say, hey, I don't do blood transfusions. I don't, you know, take this or take that because I'm just going to pray um, and, and disregard any of the, of the modern medicine. Um, some have, have read this verse in James and said, hey, right here, when, when it says anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord, we're saying, hey, yes, pray, but also give him the things that are going to help with that sickness. Uh, now, of course, there's a second view to this, which says, hey, the oil, it, it's not about the oil as much as it is, uh, it's a symbolic thing. It's an outward sign um, uh, of what, of the healing that's to be brought about by God in the response to, of course, what verse, um, uh, what is it, 15 calls the prayer offered up in faith. So um, in this secondary view, it's a, they're saying that this verse in James is all about the idea that, hey, when we put the oil on them, it's not for the medicinal value. And this is what we see in the churches, right? We're not putting oil on somebody's head and thinking this oil is going to kind of sink into the skin. It's going to help them with their cancer treatments. We, we don't believe there's any power in that oil, right? Um, we believe it's symbolic. It's, we, we take that second view when we, when we administer that oil, that it's symbolic of the healing be brought about by God in response to the prayer offered in faith. Uh, as I've looked at these verses, I've seen these two different interpretations. My, my point of view is, why can't it just be both? Why can't we take both applications here of James 5, 14 that people have looked at? And so, in other words, why don't we say, hey, absolutely let's affirm medicine. Let's affirm the knowledge that God has given and revealed to these doctors, to modern medicine makers. We should absolutely, you know, tell somebody, hey, you know, go to the doctor, you know, get that treatment, you know, get in there. At the same time, we're not doing that in the name of science. We're not doing that in the name of, look how great we are as humans, because it says, taking that point of view, anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. 
So if we take that medicinal view, we're not just saying, hey, look at the power of medicine. We're saying, look at the power of God to reveal this medicine, how we could use these herbs or how we could use these, you know, chemicals and put them together and create this, you know, way to save someone's life. So I say, why not both? Why don't we affirm the medicine and the knowledge? And also at the exact same time, simultaneously and even greater in a way, we rely on God, of course, for the recovery and the healing of the sick person. So there we have a, kind of a, a look into the oil, right? So let's look at verse 15 now. And he talks about the outcome of the prayers. Because he says in verse 15, the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Now, does verse 15 mean that if we have enough faith, all that our prayers will be fulfilled? I mean, if we were to just take that, if that's all we had in the Bible, that one verse, the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. If that's everything we knew about the Bible, it seems very clear. It seems very clear that, hey, if you have enough faith, your prayer will be answered. Or alternatively, of course, we could ask the question, hey, if, if my prayer doesn't get answered, does that mean I didn't have enough faith? You know, from just reading that verse alone, it seems clear. Hey, yeah, it comes down to if you have enough faith, your prayer is answered. If you don't, you're not going to get well. The sick person won't get well if you don't have enough faith. Now, that makes sense in that one verse context, but to take the meta narrative, the larger picture story of James, of, of to take the larger picture story of the entire scriptures, we don't see that interpretation being real. We don't see the interpretation of, hey, if you just had enough faith, you know, you would never be sick. You would never face persecution. You would never face suffering. We don't see that reality in the larger picture of scripture. So what could he mean here? Well, let me give you a, a, a few examples here. Um, and specifically, let's look at the life of Jesus. In John 7, I was just teaching through uh, John. At, we've been teaching through John at the, the church here in, in Youngstown. And uh, we talked about this feast Jesus wanted to go to. You know, or, Well, his brothers at first wanted him to go to. It was the Feast of the Tabernacles in John uh, chapter 7. Um, and in the, in the first section, he talks about going to the feast and his brothers were like, hey, this would be a great chance. There's thousands of people at the feast. This is a great chance to kind of build up your own reputation. You know, go do some miracles. This is going to be pretty powerful, you know, to do this in Jerusalem at this time when there's thousands of people around. You know, they had this idea, this seemingly great idea. And Jesus essentially responded by saying, you know, the right time for me has not come. The timing isn't right. And Jesus shows this throughout his ministry. He's, he's not interested in his own power, his own timing, his own reputation, building up his own self in an earl, earthly sense. He is doing things according to God's timing, according to God's will. And so giving that example, you know, Jesus tells others to do the same. You know, don't just do things of your own accord. You know, think about what is the right timing based upon what, what, what God's timing is. And so... Um, that's what I, I think in the larger context of the scriptures and that example of Jesus' life, we see that these prayers need to be in accordance with God's will. And so if we're, if we're offering up prayers that are not in accordance with God's will, if it's just, hey, I want this, God, please do this for me, um, and, and we've given no thought to God's will, we may see it as, well, well God didn't care. You know, he, he didn't, you know, he didn't, we di I didn't have enough faith, so he didn't answer my prayer. But the prayer needs to be offered in faith. It needs to be offered in accordance with God's will as we look at the other scriptures as well. 
Now note the importance here of verse 16. You know, it'll be easy to skip over this, these four words, but, or six words or whatever, but it says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Uh, you know, it'd be easy to, in the context of the larger stuff, like, hey, the sixth person needs healed. What, what about that situation? It'd be easy to skip over the seven words, therefore confess your sins to each other. Now that's important there. I think there is a link that can be established uh, between confessing your sins and seeking something like seeking healing. Now we know, again, from the stories of Jesus, uh, there was a blind man and, and the disciples said, now who sinned? Was it the guy, the blind man himself, or was it his parents that caused him to be blind? Jesus said, listen, nobody sinned. He just, bad things happen sometimes. He was blind. So I'm by no means saying that, hey, you didn't get rid of your sin and that's why there wasn't a healing. But there is a reality in that if we're doing, if we're sinning, if we're going our own way, and then we just come to Jesus and say, hey, God, I need this favor. Can you do this thing for me? Uh, yeah, I know I don't really care about you at all, and I'm probably not going to care about you in the future. Uh, but, you know, can you just, my, my mother's sick or so-and-so or whatever, so I'm going to offer up a prayer now. We see this happening, right? We see people who suddenly care about their relationship with God just because they're in a need. Um, and they, they haven't even repented. They haven't confessed their sins. They haven't turned truly to him. They're just truly, they're just turning to him in a false way so that they can get what they want. And I think we need to be clear on that, that listen, if we're looking for God's will, if we're looking to, to find healing in many different ways, we need to start with turning to him truly and wholeheartedly. I think that's what those seven words mean. Therefore, confess your sins to each other so that you may be healed. That's the first step. You gotta, you gotta be coming right before God before you can even come before Him to ask for these types of things. Um, okay, now um, let's look at uh, verses uh, 17 and 18 again. Now this is the ex this he gives the example here. As James, as I've mentioned before, he's very good at giving the examples for us to get a really good at picture of what's going on. So he gives the example of Elijah. Uh, and we read the story in 1 Kings 17 and 18. Uh, he talks about Elijah, you know, prayed that it would not rain, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. And then, after those three and a half years, he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, the earth produced its crops. So, Elijah is the example of what we've just been talking about. Elijah wasn't praying for his own gain. I mean, in fact, he, he, he went through some hardships from the drought. I mean, we see in 1 Kings 17, you know, God provided for him, but he wasn't able to just go out and get food wherever he wanted. He needed to seek God's direction. And there was a story you can read in 1 Kings 17 where he went to a woman's house and, you know, there was a miracle that occurred and all this. But the, the drought caused a lot of trouble for everybody, including Elijah living in that land. Uh, but Elijah was interested in praying to, to, for God's timing. He, he, he prayed for the drought because it was something that that God needed to to accomplish purposes in that time of first kings and then he prayed to end the drought only after three and a half three and a half years only after God's timing had was completed and and this again this is an example of a prayer not centered in benefiting yourself I mean um, you know long term Big picture, yes, Elijah benefited from this. Uh, but short term, he didn't benefit from it, did he? Um, and so there's no nothing in Scripture for us to say it's wrong for us to pray for, for 
you know, the health of, of our loved ones. In fact, of course, it tells us to do that. If anybody's sick, he should call the elders of the church to pray over him. But there's a big difference between that and, and only offering up prayers that benefit ourselves, only looking to God in times that benefit us. And Elijah here, as James gives the example, is that is that example of, hey, he didn't benefit himself from offering up this prayer. This was a prayer that, that was certainly in God's timing um, and, and in God's will, uh, but was not all in the benefit of Elijah. Uh, it, didn't, it didn't bring him to the next level personally, at least on the short term, right? Um, so let's move on to, to 19 and 20 now. And he kind of uh, changes the subject and then really ends somewhat abruptly after he's, you know, he doesn't go back and recap or anything. You know, some, some uh, letters do that. But he just kind of brings it to a head and just says, all right, that's it, I guess, and stopped writing. Uh, verses 19 and 20, he says, My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Now, he's not speaking here to about people who have never believed in Jesus before. He's not talking about unbelievers because he says, my brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth. So this is uh, one of, one of f a, a few possible scenarios. This is a professing Christian whose faith is not genuine. Or this could be a Christian who has walked away from their faith and needs to be restored, needs to come back to the faith. Uh, but either way, we're talking about somebody who has had some experience with Christianity before. Somebody who has, who has affirmed uh, themselves as one of the brothers, one of the sisters, one of the believers. And now they are wandered from the truth. They have gotten away from the truth in one way or another. Um, now, it says someone, if someone should bring them back, and I think we could focus on that for a moment too. You know, how do you bring them back? How do you bring somebody back who has wandered from the truth? Well, of course, that's where we look at other uh, passages and other, other uh, sections to give us more on that because, you know, James didn't go into detail there. Um, but there are, are, there are many passages that, that talk about restoring somebody. One of the most famous is in uh, Galatians 6, verse 1. It says, brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently, but watch yourself or you may also be tempted. So here we have the situation here. We say uh, two things. First of all, watch out that when you're restoring somebody, you don't get tempted into their ways and go off, you know, and, and be wandering from the truth yourself. But I think the key phrase here that for us to remember is those who are spiritual should restore him gently. That's how we restore them. That's how we bring them back. We bring them back gently according to Genesis, uh, uh, Galatians 6.1. According to the, you know, the words of Jesus, you know, we see the love and the compassion he had restoring people in a gentle way. Now, we have to be clear, though. You know, your gently is different from my gently. You know, I, I know this guy who, you know, he was a Marine and, uh, you know, now he's, you know, he's older. He's, he's past his Marine days, but he still has, like, the same kind of thoughts, like, He's always right, even if he's wrong. You know, he's a Christian guy. Uh, he's just like, get out there and do this, you know, blah, blah. And, and, and it helps him and it hurts him and, you know, all those sort of things. Um, but, uh, you know, if someone was coming to him and, you know, saying, hey, you know, buddy, I, I don't want to say his name, you know, but hey, hey, guy, um, you know, you really have this thing that I wanted to talk to you about. I don't think you're doing right. And, you know, they're just real meek with the guy. He's probably not going to maybe take them very seriously because this is a guy that, you know, he gets in your face. 
And you have to remember with this guy, once you get to know him, like he doesn't even mean anything by it. He's not trying to be mean. This is just his personality. Like he's like loud and he's right up there and he's excited and you know, he's right there telling you what you need to hear. So if you just meekly say to the guy, oh, I don't think you've been doing the right thing here. He's not gonna take that seriously. You need to, his gently is like, dude, you shake him by the shoulders and like, listen, you are doing the wrong thing here. You need to get right on the path with God. He's gonna respond to that. He's not gonna be offended by that. He's gonna respond to that. But you take, for example, my wife who, you know, gently is literally gently with her. You need to talk to her and say, hey, listen, I think maybe you're you're doing the wrong thing in this area. You need to you need to lovingly and gently talk to her. If you if you shake my wife and and yell in her face and say, "What did you do? You're going the wrong way. You need to get back on track." You know, you you take the marine point of view with her. She's not going to appreciate that. She's going to be, uh, you know, in tears. She's going to be upset because her gently is different from this other guy's gently. You know, and, and different from my gently. And so when we're restoring someone gently, we take into, into, into you know, understanding that person's background, their, their, their personality, what they're going to be offended by and what they're not, right? But if they're wandering from the truth, we need to be upfront. We don't want to take it so gently that we go, oh, I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't really want to say anything because, you know, I don't want to hurt them. It's not about hurting someone's feelings. It's about the fact of how can you say what needs to be said? It may hurt their feelings but it's gonna save their life. It's going to, as it says here, save him from death and cover a multitude of sins. And the death in verse 20 could refer to two different things. It can refer to physical death. Many sins, many wanderings uh, lead there, lead to death. You know, they lead to, we think of drugs and alcohol being the most obvious, uh, but there are many sins that can lead down a route uh, that eventually physical death and early physical death can be a part of it. Um, but there's also, of course, the second death. That's what Revelation calls, you know, a spiritual death in hell. And that second death, uh, you know, is the ultimate death. Um, and so, you know, we, we don't want to be so gentle that we get to the point where we're, oh, I, I don't really want to hurt them. You know, I don't want to hurt their feelings. You know, the truth some a lot of times hurts. And we don't also want to be on the other end where we're putting someone in tears so much that they just, they, they don't even, can't even hear what we have to say. We need to be turning to God and we need to be understanding that, hey, um, we need to restore them gently. Every person's gently is different, but the ultimate goal is not to save their feelings, but to save them from death, to save them from the ultimate punishment that could be coming, the ultimate, uh, you know, sad thing that could happen, if we want to put it in that, in that way, uh, much worse than you know, what we could see right in front of us um, as we go through, uh, you know, hear someone telling us something hard we have to hear. So uh, again, James just ends abruptly there and it seems like an abrupt place that we should go back and say, so to recap uh, what James said, but he doesn't do that and I'm not going to do that uh, either. So <laughs> so if you want to recap, go back and start listening uh, some time ago to James chapter one. Uh, we've gone through every single verse now and uh, let's stop there and let's pray and um in, in future episodes, um, we'll, we'll, we'll actually put a post on Facebook. I already did on Twitter, but we'll put a post on Facebook with a, uh, with a question of, of what book would you like us to go through in the future next? Uh, we can do a deep dive study into a book of scripture and um, comment on, on this podcast episode or send me an email um, or later on this week uh, on Facebook. Um, I'll also, I'll put up a, a post and say, hey, comment with, with what book we'd like to do next and we'll, we'll decide. Um, so, Let's pray. 
Dear God, uh, thank you for this time that we've had over the course of the last three years now that we've stretched it across, um, going through the book of James and uh, all these studies, and I pray that we would um, follow you in action and in truth and not just in, in word or in deed, that we wouldn't do, as it says early on, uh, just say, okay, be well-fed to people that need help, but then do nothing about their physical needs, that you would tell us how to help people, you would tell us how to best reach out to them, um, and that we would do that uh, in your timing and your guidance, and uh, that you would you would guide us in each and every day, um, not only personally but also together. As we as we get to do that here, we join together uh, by listening to my voice. But I pray that that we would join together uh, person to person too. Those in California listening, those to Pennsylvania, uh, in Cal in in Canada, all across the listeners, all across in these states and and other countries, uh, that you would just guide them together, join them together. Um, and uh, help them to, to learn from each other and that we would also um, uh, grow in each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Still be